Dear Heavenly Father, this world is not our home. And days and weeks like today and this week are just reminders. Um, life is so uncertain on this planet. In fact, there is nothing on this planet that is certain. You are the only thing that is certain. You are the only thing that we can trust in and that gives us hope. And uh, so we just uplift the Yingling family. We, we pray for uh, Brent's wife, Sue, and for those two daughters that will be traveling here. Um, I can't imagine what they are thinking and, and what's going through their mind uh, in the midst of this tragedy and a, a host of friends and family members. Lord, we would just pray that your Holy Spirit will draw close to each and every one, that they will sense your presence and know that you are with them and uh, just guard and protect that family and help those of us even here in this room to know how we can best minister to that family, uh, how we can be your hands and feet. And I pray for Brenda as well as she has uh, lost her brother. Lord, we don't want to embarrass her in any way, but we just want to uplift her to you. We care about everybody uh, that has been coming to these meetings and uh, in this community. Lord, we're all human. We all have hurts. Uh, and Lord, I know that even beyond those requests that have been mentioned, uh, there are many others uh, that are weighing heavy on many in this room, and we just want to give all of those things to you tonight. Uh, and we look forward so much to the day when you will make all things new and make all people whole again. Um, and so we just look forward so much to that day. May we not take any day for granted, but may we live today to the fullest, and may we choose you uh, today, because we have no guarantee of tomorrow. In your name we pray, amen. Today we are talking about Revelation's thousand years of peace. Revelation speaks very plainly about a thousand years, and we're going to look at that tonight, uh, largely in detail. And so I think that you're going to enjoy this study. I, this is one that, that puts a lot of things in place for me in my mind. Uh, oftentimes there's all kinds of things out there that are, you know, you're trying to figure out when does this happen and that happen. Hopefully tonight I'm praying that it will be clear and this will put a lot of things in place for you, and I hope it will make a lot of sense. Um, we're going to start out with a story, a pretty incredible story. Uh, this lady was named Rose, and Rose was in her prime in a time of this country's history that was a little bit rambunctious. We call it the Roaring Twenties, right? Uh, and there was a lot of things happening, and she was not... You know, she was just living it up. She was doing anything and everything, having a good time, trying all kinds of things in her body and what it would do, and, and uh, just partying just about every night uh, if she could uh, bring herself back to, to feeling well enough to do that, until all of a sudden something happened with her health, and doctors weren't exactly sure what it was. And uh, she ended up falling asleep, and, and first her arms and various things were freezing up, and, and it was almost like a coma-type state there for a while, and back and forth, and she had everybody guessing, until eventually all of that seemed to subside, and she just rest peacefully, and she seemed to be asleep, and they, nobody could wake her up. And time went by, and more time went by, and more time went by, 
And she remained in that state, not just for a few weeks or a few months, but years. In fact, uh, I'm going to go back over here to double check. I want to make sure I'm accurate here. I think it was 40 years, 48 long years. She was asleep. Can you imagine? But then in 1969, Dr. Oliver Sacks administered a newly developed drug. And they wanted to see what this would do for Rose. And remarkably, Rose woke up. Can you imagine what it would be like to fall asleep and wake up 48 years later? I mean, let's just do some, some math. Who's a math major in here? You take 2016, subtract 48 years, and what do we come up with? You're waiting for me to tell you. I'm waiting for you to tell me. 60 what? 68? Has our uh, culture changed any since 68? Has technology changed at all since 68? What appliances were being used in 68? What did cars look like? You know, what, were, what, were this, what was the political scene? What was the world scene? Anybody ever go into those? Oftentimes they're in, in stores like, uh, what's the one here on Main Street? The Mass General Store. And I've, they don't have to be in those types of places only, but a lot of times they'll have a spinner with all these cards and you find the year that maybe you were born or something else and it tells you all the things that happened in that year. And, and if you've ever picked one of those up, I should have gone by and picked one up for 60, what did you say, four? Eight. See, that's how good my memory is. 68, and just listed off some of the things that, that had happened. And we'd say, wow, 68 sounds like a long time ago. <clears throat> well, she woke up 48 years later and felt very much alone. Can you imagine? I can hardly imagine what that would be like. For this lady, um, and today we're looking at a great awakening, but our great awakening is going to be a little different than this great awakening, right? I believe it's going to have a better ending, a better outcome than this great awakening. When we wake up, it's not going to be to a world that's changed in many ways for the worse, in some ways for the better, but we're going to wake up to a world uh, that is far better. If, if anyone passes away before Jesus comes, we're going to have a great awakening that's going to be far different than this young lady here. In fact, John 5, 28 says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Do you believe that? I believe that. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now notice there, there's two resurrections. And I would submit to you that they don't happen at the same time. There's a resurrection of good and a resurrection for those that have been evil, and they happen at different periods of time. How do I know that? The Bible says so. We're going to keep looking at that. <clears throat> Sometimes these slides try and read my mind. The resurrection of life and the resurrection of condemnation. Which resurrection do you want to be part of? Life. Give us life. I don't want to be part of that resurrection of condemnation. Does anybody like to be condemned? Oh my. I don't think so. 
So that's the one we want to be part of. What happens to all those, to all that have believed in Jesus? That's what we're going to look at first. Because I think that's the one that we're more interested in, isn't it? We're going to look at the other one too. Uh, because it has to do with how sin is done away with. But this is the resurrection of life. The one I want to be part of. We oftentimes call this the second coming. This is a young lady who has cancer. And when she passes away, the next thing that she's going to see is Jesus coming. Next thing she's going to see. And we talked a few nights ago. If you missed, we talked about what happens when you die. And if you missed that one, grab a CD, grab a study guide. It's, it's rather fascinating what the Bible has to say. I believe it's quite different than what the world talks about, sings about, all kinds of things. But the next thing she sees, she's going to fall asleep. And the next person she sees, if she loves the Lord and claims the Lord as her Lord and Savior, she'll see Jesus coming in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, we've looked at this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Are we going to miss it? Are we going to sleep through it? Are we going to be organizing our basement, doing spring cleaning that day, and all of a sudden, oh, what happened? No, we're going to notice. If you've ever been working outside in the yard, or you don't even have to be in the yard, you can be inside the house. Has anybody had somebody fly by over your house really low? I mean, really low. I mean, there's been some flybys in the news recently. At some of these, maybe you've seen some of that. Some of our ships, and they say these Russian planes have been doing these super low. I mean, it just shakes the whole house. You think a bomb has gone off, literally. I remember the place we lived before, in the middle of the night, it, this plane, and maybe, maybe this was just a nightmare, but I'm, I'm quite convinced that there was a plane, because sometimes they would do, this is in Blairsville, Georgia, and sometimes they do some training around those mountains. And this was sometime in the middle of the night, and this plane, I think, was so low, it just buzzed right over our house. And it had to have been a jet, because it just... I mean, there wasn't even any... I, I didn't even do the sound right. It was just... And it was so loud. I mean, it just... Boom! It's, it felt like a bomb. I, I thought a bomb had gone off, and that was it. That was it. That, I had, you know... A tenth of a second to realize I'm dying. That's, that's all I had. And uh, I woke up, and I remember going outside to try and listen for that part of the plane that, you know what I'm talking about? Nothing. Now, maybe I was losing my mind. I don't know. <clears throat> but I know that if that was a for real thing, it would probably feel something like what I described. <clears throat> We're not going to miss it. This is going to be such a big event, such a big deal. We're not going to miss it. To finish the verse, and the dead in Christ. And so here we have um, the Lord descending with the heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. And it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So if there's two resurrections, who's, who are, which group of people will rise first? The dead in Christ. That's what the Bible says. Rise first first. So the first resurrection is the one you want to be part of, not the second resurrection. Continuing on, for the Lord himself will descend. Didn't we just read this? I, I pressed the wrong button. I'm sorry. Continuing on, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Beautiful verse. I love this verse. Uh, such a beautiful picture. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. 
Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. To that I would say, Amen. That's the resurrection I want to be part of. It's the resurrection of life. And I promise you, that's the one you want to be part of as well. Right? Now, well, what happens if I'm still alive? Well, the verse talks about that. We're going to be caught up with those that are raised to life and those kinds of things. Um, But even still, I want to be one of those caught up or raised up. Either way, blessed and holy, he was part of the first resurrection. And here we have some pictures of some of that, uh, that day and what that may be like. Heaven's going to be a place of incredible love. Love will fill our hearts and our love needs will be met. There are so many books. In fact, if you want to make a lot of money, write a book on relationships. Have you noticed that? I mean, they're just, they come out all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Married relationships and how to get this and how to get that and how to be this and how to be that. His needs, her needs, love cups, making deposits and then withdrawals. And are you making more deposits or more withdrawals? And if that's imbalanced and on and on it goes, your love needs will be met. I believe in a way that we, they've probably never been met or can be met on this earth. And that will be heaven. And God will do that. I mean, just taking selfishness out of the equation is going to help all of our relationships a thousand percent, right? <clears throat> so let's look at some events at Christ's coming. Let's put them up on the, can I say board? Is that too old school? Believers will be resurrected, right? Believers receive immortality. We looked at that the other day as well, but this verse reminded us again. Um, And I think we're going to add to that list, but that's all we have on the list right now. What happens to all that have rejected Jesus? Ooh, I would submit that you don't want to be part of that group. Well, how come? Is that because God's going to be angry? He's going to be mad? He's going to be vengeful? Come back tomorrow night and I'll tell you all about that. (laughs) I would say no, but maybe you, you want to hear more than just a no. Revelation says there's two groups, the saved and the lost. I want to be part of the saved. I don't want to be this guy. Does that guy look like he's in good shape? He doesn't look like he's in good shape. And the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man. That pretty much covers, I don't want to say everybody, but look at all the influential people, the great, the rich, the commanders, the mighty men, the respected, the people on Fortune 500, you know, whatever it is, people that you would think would know. You know, we live in a time where if you graduated from Harvard, well, you must be right and I must be wrong, right? If you have, you know, if you've let out in this company, if you've been a president here, if you've done this, and so we have all these influential people, including every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. We talked about that briefly in terms of the the cop that comes up behind you with the lights. And if you're going 100 miles an hour, this is how you feel. Scared to death. I think I'm going to die. Can't breathe hardly and all kinds of stuff. None of you know what that's like, right? To be pulled over having gone. Can I tell you a random story? I shouldn't tell you a story. (laughs) This doesn't have anything to do with anything we're talking about. It just has to do with being pulled over after going 
130 miles an hour or something. I don't know. Too fast. I wasn't driving, by the way. I just, I, but I still thought I was going to die. Elizabeth? No, <laughs> no, it wasn't Elizabeth. It wasn't Elizabeth. <laughs> but when we went to the hospital with our first child, it was in the middle of the night, <clears throat> and she said, turn the flashers on. I said, honey, there's nobody on the roads. There's nobody out here. She says, I had it in my mind when I was going to go to the hospital to deliver my baby, and there were flashers. Turn the flashers on. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I put those on. <laughs> All right, it says, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? We were backpacking. I'll tell you the story. We were backpacking, and we had to be back for some school function. We were in high school, and my brother was driving, and we were in a nice Acura legend, and uh, we were on these back roads going through Tennessee through the town of Benton. If anybody knows where Benton is, never speed through Benton. You know that, don't you? Yeah, there's, there's cops everywhere in Benton. Well, we were, it was early, early, early. I mean, we had to be at the car, I think, at 5, so we could drive a couple hours to be back at the school for a function that was happening at 9 or 10. I don't remember. And there's these long, straight stretches of nothing and nobody. And so being teenagers, we had a stupid idea to see how fast this Acura legend could go on these straight stretches. And, you know, we got up a little bit ways, then a little bit more on the next one. And there, there continued to be this old Ford Ranger behind us. And uh, what is this old Ford Ranger? I mean, it wasn't a new, it was an old Ford Ranger. And, you know, being teenagers in the Acura legend, come on, let's lose them, right? Next straightaway, we're going to lose them. And we, and then, of course, here's this. This Ford trying to keep up with us. We're like, what in the world is going on? And we do this several times until eventually we come to the town of Benton. And we're trying to go through Benton. And of course, when you've been driving on 100 and maybe it was 110 or 15, I think that's what it was. So it wasn't too fast, right? <clears throat> when the speed limit dropped from 55 down to 45, I mean, 45 feels like you're going about 15 if you've been speeding that fast. And so we thought we were slowing down. I say we. It was my brother. He was the one. I was, <clears throat> I didn't do anything wrong. I'm innocent. Um, we thought we were going slow. Well, we were still going 20 over. And he whipped up behind us. And there wasn't just one cop, but there was about four or five cops that came out. It was a blue light special. You want to know why it was a blue light special? The guy in the Ford Ranger just happened to be an off-duty cop. Oh. <laughs> and then we all had our, I don't know, 40, 50-pound backpacks. There were four of us. They were all in the trunk. And so this Acura legend looks like it's like this, which means we're doing what? Hauling drugs. <clears throat> I thought we were going to die. I thought we were going to die. We were going to go to prison. I was never going to see the light of day again. That's how these people are going to feel. Now, if we would have been poking along the whole time, would we have been nervous? No. My face is getting red just thinking about it. Same event. Totally different feeling. And this is how they feel right here. That Ford Ranger was on their tail too. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9, And to give you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction, 
from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. If God's going to destroy sin once and for all, he's got to destroy sin, right? And again, that's our topic for tomorrow night. So if you're curious about that and about this word uh, everlasting destruction, come tomorrow night. We're going to talk more about it tomorrow night. But if he's going to make an end of sin, he has to give us a way of escape. Has he done that? Yep. And he has to say, come on, you don't want to be stuck in that sin your whole life. Get out of there. Well, it makes me happy. No, it doesn't. It's trying to kill you. It's trying to eat away at your life and your, your health and your all kinds of things, right? And he says, no, come on out of that. Um, some people say, oh, well, God doesn't really give us a choice. No, he does give us a choice. He gives us all kinds of choices. It's like going down on the Titanic and there's a lifeboat there and you don't want to get in the lifeboat. And you say, come on, there's room in the lifeboat. And you say, no, 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 no. Well, if you don't get in the lifeboat, you're going to die. You're not giving me any choice. This is dumb. Doesn't make any sense, right? The wages of sin is death. The effects of sin ultimately are always death. What does the devil want for you and me? Death. Sin, when it goes full course, ends at death. And so after warning, after warning, after warning, um, there's an everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So if I have rejected God, if I've said, get out of my life, I don't want anything to do with you, leave me alone, and then he comes in the sky, one, I'm going to be scared to death, because all, all along I thought, well, if I could just believe that God doesn't exist, then I'll be okay. Uh, oops, I messed up on that one. God does exist. It's pretty plain. This is something supernatural here. And they're asking for the rocks to fall on them, and eventually the brightness of his coming. God and sin cannot coexist. They just can't. It's almost as if sin is flammable. Gasoline or something, I don't know. And so we had to be purged from our sin, and Jesus Christ is the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can give us pardon, and he's the only one that can give us power to overcome sin in our lives. So... <clears throat> Um, let's go back to our list. Believers resurrected, believers receive immortality, and the wicked living are consumed. Okay? So, if I reject God and die now, like right now, lightning strikes, am I going to see Jesus come at the second coming? I'm going to miss it? Yeah, I'm going to miss it. I'm just going to keep on sleeping. If I reject God... And he comes tonight or tomorrow or whenever, what's going to happen to me? I'll be destroyed by the brightness of his coming, right? Um, <clears throat> and we already talked about this. The wicked dead remain in their graves. John 14, 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. That's the whole point. That's the key Right here, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's what God wants for us, isn't it? So believers ascend to heaven with Christ. 
Um, and now we're going to look at some questions uh, that Christians oftentimes ask. What happens after Christ comes? Well, we go to heaven. Yeah, I know, but what happens? Let's look at that. What is the condition of the earth? Another good question. I'm glad you asked. And lastly, what happens to Satan? Ooh, do we want to know what happens to Satan? I mean, I tell you, Satan's a jerk. Not just a little bit. He's a jerk. When you think about the most heinous crimes on the planet, I don't know what you put in that category. But for me, when you put children and prostitution together, that's right up at the top for me. Right at the top. You want to get me angry and upset. So the devil's more than just a jerk. You understand that? I mean, he is the epitome of jerk. Because he's behind and pushing and pushing and pushing all of those things. And he's, he's laughing when they happen and he's excited and that just fuels him. And uh, he's, he's a mess. I want to know what's going to happen to the devil. Is he going to be around forever? When is he going to get his due? Because stop and think, every one of our sins, he has some responsibility for, doesn't he? Because he was right there all along. Don't you want to do this? Come on. Don't you want to? I'll cover you up just one more time. Just one more time. When does Satan get his due? We're going to talk about that. And then when does God make the earth new? I want to know that too. Do you want to know that? <clears throat> Is there anyone alive on earth during the thousand years? That's another fair question. So let's look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Most of these are going to come out of chapter 20 when we're talking about this thousand year period. Is right here in Revelation. The rest of the Bible supports it, but the bulk of it comes right here. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now, is this a literal chain? Is this a literal pit? Let's look at that. The word millennium, first of all, is not used in the Bible. It comes from two Latin words, mille and ennium, meaning 1,000 years. But it talks about the 1,000 years. So when we say millennium, it means 1,000 years. It's kind of the same idea of the Trinity. We don't have Trinity in the Bible anywhere either, but it talks all the time about the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. We have it at creation. We have it in Revelation. We have it in the Gospels. We have it as baptism. It's just, it's everywhere. Okay? But you don't find the word Trinity. But that's okay. Um, the bottomless pit... The word for that is abusos, which means abyss, which really takes us back. The wording takes us all the way back to Genesis when it talks about before God created. It says without form and void. So really, in the book of Revelation, we, not, we don't really have creation. We have creation in reverse. Everything starts to unravel and fall apart and, and disintegrate until eventually... By the time God comes at the very last, when we think all hope is lost and no one's going to be able to save us, God rescues us, right? And people say, this is our God. We've waited for him. He will save us. It's at that point that the earth is virtually desolate. It's a mess. You've seen pictures of this on the news. Or maybe you've been in a place, uh, there was a tornado that hit Cherokee Valley Road near the, where I grew up. I remember driving through that after this tornado, and it looked like I was driving through the news. You know what I mean when I say that? I mean, it was just a mess. Everything, everywhere, it was a mess, ripped apart. 
Virtually, I think that's how the world's going to look. Ripped apart, burned, you know, craters. I don't know what all, but it's going to be just a total mess. Here we have Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and void. Same idea. Abusos. Same word. So what are these chains that bind Satan? It's a fair question. 2 Peter 2.4, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. I would submit to you that these chains are chains of circumstances. He's down here on the earth with nobody to tempt, nothing to do. The world is a total mess, and he just has to sit there and wait and think about what he's done. Did your parents ever do that? You know you're in trouble when they use your middle name. David Nicholas Wright. Go to your room. I'll be up there in a little bit. Can't we just do that? To your room. Right? I want you to think about what you've done. Oh, boy. I'm thinking about what I did thinking it wasn't smart because I'm thinking I'm going to get spanked. The devil's going to be sitting here on this earth thinking about what he's done. He's going to have a thousand years to sit and to think before there's any judgment taking place on him. We're going to talk about why here in a minute. So there we have him just in a messed up, cluttered, uh, broken down world. Reminds us of the Garden of Eden. You will not surely die. And that's where this whole thing, I mean, there was war in heaven, but then that's how we got involved. As he went down and he tempted Eve. And we got sucked into this whole thing. And it's the same question. Can we trust God? Is he fair? Is he just? Is he true? Can I trust him? And the whole universe has been watching ever since, and the angels, and so on and so forth. So everything God does is to ensure the security of the universe for eternity. That's really the big question here. How do you get rid of sin once and for all so it won't rise up a second time? How do you do that? Well, for one, you have to answer every question in anybody's mind. You have to answer it. Because if I have a question in my mind, I'm just really not so sure, that takes us right back to where we were in the first place. I don't know. Can I trust God? Is he fair? Is he just? Is he true? I'm just, I really don't know. So you have to answer every question. And oftentimes we talk about the judgment in terms of us. What's the judgment in terms of God? Did he judge fair? In your case, and your case, and your case, and your case, and in my case? Because all it takes is one case that they didn't judge fair or God didn't judge fair, and all of a sudden you can say, aha! Well, I judge on all the other billions of people, right. Yes, but you made an exception here. You're busted. That's what he's looking for. So we have to answer all these questions. God is love, and I believe God is worthy to be trusted, and that's why I love tonight's presentation. We need to keep going. The cross certainly was a huge piece in can we trust God. Huge piece. Here he does something, and the whole universe and the angels and everybody are, are just waiting. God, can I go? Can I rescue him? Can I, can I knock them all back and kill them and, and save Jesus and bring him back? To he says, no, we're just going to sit and wait. We're going to watch. We're going to let this play out. 
Can you imagine? I imagine if, I, if it was me, I'd, you know, I can't watch. As they were doing this to Jesus, who is the epitome of love, of selflessness, of giving, of, you know, and on and on and on. And they nail him to a cross. So that was a huge piece. But now we get to this other piece of the thousand years. The wages of sin is death. We know that. Is there anyone alive on earth during the millennium? We've more or less already answered that. But we have another verse here in Jeremiah 4, 23. I beheld the earth, and indeed it was without form and void. Same idea. And the heavens, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and indeed they trembled, and all the hills moved back and forth. I beheld, and indeed there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens had fled. I beheld, and indeed the fruitful land was a wilderness, and all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord. Did you catch that part? By his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate, yet I will not make a full end. What does that mean, I won't make a full end? There's more to come. A full end would be permanent, right? Be absolute. But he says, I'm not done yet. This won't be a full end. Why? Why? How long are we going to let sin just continue to hang around? How long is the devil going to continue to hang around? We need to just do away with this. Well, I think God has a very valid reason. Continuing in Jeremiah 25, 33. And at that day, the slain of the Lord shall be from one end of the earth, even to the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented or gathered or buried. They shall become refuse on the ground. Can you imagine that? Maybe you don't want to. That's a pretty grim picture of what it's like here on this earth after Jesus takes his children home. And again, the devil has no regard for you. He's not going to bury you. Are you kidding? You're just left there in heaps and piles. And Anyway, that's not going to be you. Forgive me. People that reject God. <clears throat> So the devil is, is left with no beta tent. Love brings life. Selfishness brings death. Is that a true statement? Amen. I think it is. I think it absolutely is. When Hitler got on his rampage, was that because of love for mankind or because of sin and selfishness and hate for other people and wanting to build up his own empire and on and on? What are God's people doing during the thousand years? And this is a, an interesting thing. It says back here in Revelation chapter 20, where it talks about the thousand years. Blessed and holy is, is he who is part in the first resurrection, amen, over such the second death has no power. Second death. What's a second death? Well, if I die here on this planet, which death is that? First. Unless you died before and you don't remember it, but I don't think that's the case. That's the first death. And then we're going to talk about a time where even those that curse God and die aren't done yet. They're going to be part of the second resurrection, the one we don't want to be part of. They sleep through the second coming of Jesus. They sleep through the thousand years. But then they're part of that second resurrection. But there's also a second death. Why? Why all this stuff? We're about to see why. Uh, over such a second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God. This is talking about the righteous now up in heaven. They will be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. 
and I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them of all things, to us. Judgment committed to us, to me, to you. What are we going to be judging? And it says, and books were opened. So here's the idea of a book. Is it going to be a literal book? I don't know. Is it going to be a movie screen? I don't know. Is it going to be an iPad? I don't know. But the idea is there's going to be no secrets. The books are open. And what are we judging? Well, we're judging, is God fair, just, and true in how he judged in every case? Let's suppose some horrible crime is done to you as a child. And let's suppose you get up in heaven and, oh, there's that person I have a problem with this. And you go to God's secretary, Jesus' secretary, and you say, I need an appointment. I'm rather upset. Why are you upset? Well, I saw somebody here that shouldn't be here. Oh, okay, I can fit you in. Oh, now, perfect. And you want to know, why is this person here? And you better not take too long because there's somebody behind you that they're looking for grandma. Grandma was the most godly person you could have, have ever known. You, know, you get the idea, right? But Grandma's not there. I need an appointment. Jesus, we need to talk. Grandma's not here. How come? Now let's suppose God says, I'm God. You're a tiny little ant thing called a human. I'm in charge. You're not. I'm in control, you're not. I'm all powerful, you're not. I'm omnipresent, you're not. I'm all wise, you're not. So trust me, I'm fair, I'm just, I'm true. And all the rest of you in line, I'm fair, I'm just, I'm true. Get out of line. I know who's supposed to be here, leave it alone. Is that the picture? Not at all. Not at all. And if that was the picture, what would be in your thinking? I saw it on your faces even now. It was almost like, I don't like this. I feel uncomfortable with this. This isn't the God I serve. Absolutely right. That's not the God you serve. We serve a God where all the books are opened. He's willing to be audited. I need a book. And so you have all your secrets. How have you had a sister growing up? And she had a, a book, a journal or something, right? And she'd sit down and she'd write all her secrets and it was okay because she had a little lock and she put the key someplace. And you as a brother, what do you want to do? Ah, oh, you want to see in the book. You want all the secrets. You love Tommy. Oh, ha, 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 ha. This is a book that has all the records of you and of me and more importantly, how God has done everything in his power to woo this person or how God's respecting this person's freedom of choice to say, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And so God doesn't hide anything. He says, okay, you have a question? Look in the book. It's all right there. And if you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer them. But they're all right here. And so you read and you study. You're wondering how come, right? And all of a sudden you start to cry or you start to weep or I don't know what's, how, how you're going to respond to that. But it becomes very clear. And at the end of reading that little section on that person, you say, wow, God, you're fair, 
you're just, you're true. You ruled right in this case again. Still have a question about the other one. Okay, so you go there. And eventually you look at enough cases that you say, you know what, God's fair. What does that say about God? It tells me that he can be trusted, that he has absolutely nothing to hide. And any question that you have about anything that's happened on this earth, he'll answer it. God, why'd you let my mom get cancer? Why'd you allow this guy to die on his bike tonight? He woke up like the rest of us. He had his breakfast and whatever else. Probably read his Bible, had prayers, probably had no idea that was the last prayer he was going to pray. Might have even prayed before they went on their bike ride. I don't know. God, why'd you let that happen? How is that a God of love? And he shows you. He shows you. And he answers every question that you have. That's a God I can trust. That's a God I can put my life in his hands. Because it shows me he has my best interest at heart. And he says, we're not going to rush this. We're not just going to take a weekend. Oh, we'll take a long week. No, we're going to take a thousand years. And you're going to be able to look at any and every case that you want to until every question is answered in your mind. And here's the other thing. Nobody's destroyed once and for all until it's clear in everybody's mind. Is that important? Just in case you think God's made a, a, a mistake, he says, that's okay, we, we could reverse it. It's, no, I don't, does God make mistakes? No. But he says, for you, I'm going to be extra patient for you. In fact, I'm going to be patient a whole thousand years so it's clear in everybody's mind and then we're going to do this thing once and for all and sin will be destroyed forever. Remember I talked about touching an iron in your hand and the ring, remember that? And you might be dumb enough. I shouldn't use words like dumb. You might be naive enough to put your hand on that thing because somebody dares you and everybody says it's going to be okay and you will not surely die, whatever lie they tell you. And you put your hand on there and, and you pull it off and there's the ring, right? And for the rest of your life, you have this ring on your hand. What's that? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Ever again will you put your hand on a red hot stove? Is this the same? Oh, that looks about the same. Nope. Not touching it. In fact, you're going to do like this. And so if anybody ever gets an inkling like Lucifer did the first time in heaven, I'm not sure Jesus is fair, just, and true. Are you serious? Do you have amnesia? Have you forgotten what we went through? Have you forgotten what Jesus went through? Come over here. Let's, let's, let's have some conversations. Let's go watch some videos. Let's go see Jesus and let's let you feel his hand. Let's, you know, I don't even think that conversation will happen. But if it does, everyone will say very quickly, you've got to be kidding. Sin's not going to rise up a second time because every question is going to be answered. We're going to be in trouble. I'm supposed to be going through slides. Okay. 1 Corinthians 
Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? Um, I even think that during that thousand years, we're going to be able to see how God labored long with Lucifer. How he labored with all those angels. How he did everything that he could to try to convince them. And how he gave them every opportunity. But he's not going to force What kind of a choice is that? Well, God is life. Anything outside of life is death, or outside of God is death, ultimately. I even think the evil in this world are still continuing to live and be able to carry out their evil, even because God has grace on them. That might open up another can of worms, too. But anyway, I need to be... Anyway, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. We can't look at people's heart right now. We can judge the outward appearance. In fact, the Bible tells us to do that. When people are caught in sin, we're supposed to go to them and try to bring them out of that. But we don't know somebody's heart. You can do the right things for the wrong reasons entirely, can't you? We do it all too often. But we're going to be able to see the the intents of, of individuals' hearts. And at the end of it all, we'll praise God for it. So during the millennium, God will answer how many questions? Every question. How do you have a question for God? Yeah, I do too. And God doesn't say just stuff it. He says, we're going to get to your question. I'm going to answer your question. That's good news to me. Every question about his justice and love will be fully answered. So events during the millennium, the righteous are in heaven. The wicked remain dead. Satan and his angels are bound on earth with nothing to do. Earth remains desolate. And then what events happen after the millennium? Oh my. This is where Satan gets his. The wicked dead are resurrected. That's the second resurrection. We're going to look at a verse for that. Revelation 20 verse 5. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So you have one side of the thousand years and all the things that happened. Then you have this millennium or a thousand years, what we're doing in heaven, we're judging. And then now we're at the other end. I just did it backwards for you, didn't I? You understand. I should be going this way for you. Sorry. The rest of the dead did not live until after the thousand years. And here's what I was trying to do. You have life on this side, and then you have resurrection of damnation. Revelation 20, verse 8. The number is the sand of the sea, which is sad to me. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. And then Revelation 21 verse 2 says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And that's when the New Jerusalem is going to be set up on this earth. The embarrassment of the entire not just universe, but beyond is going to be the center of the universe when God puts the city right here at the end of the millennium. And then 20 verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. 
And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. If I curse God and die, I will raise up in that second resurrection of damnation. But before I am destroyed, and before all of sin is destroyed, it will be plain to me, and my questions will be answered. I will see all the times that I had an opportunity to choose Jesus, when I had an opportunity to follow him, when he was calling after me, and I had every opportunity to do it, and I rejected it, and I pushed him away. And that's when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Even the devil himself and all of his evil angels will bow and say, God, you are fair, you're just, you're true. But it doesn't last. They still say, but we hate you. We hate you. They are so bent on evil. You think when the devil's doing his most heinous crimes around this planet and in this county, Does he have any regard for what's fair, just, and true? Zero. God, you're fair, you're just, you're true. But I still want you dead. Another book was opened, which was the book of life, and the the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Philippians 2, 10, 11 says that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and on, of those on the earth and of those under the earth. That little phrase, we're not going to get into it tonight, but really is talking about uh, the demons and the, the, angel, the evil angels and all these things. So you have all these people here, um, <clears throat> those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. They're going to declare it. It's going to be obvious to everyone. But then God does his strange act. Revelation 20, verse 9, he tries to rally the troops one more time. They don't want it. They've never wanted it. They've rejected it. It's not that they ended up there on accident. No, they ended up there on purpose. They didn't want it. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And we're going to behold this. We're going to be in the city. We're going to be looking down. And they're going to be trying to get everything together. And they're going to try and crank up everything they can find that they're going to fire at this city and try and destroy the city. And fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours them. After it's plain in everyone's mind, after every question has been answered, After off off of everybody's tongue, they say, God, you're fair, you're just, you're true. Sin is destroyed once and for all. And I imagine it'll be a time of very solemn silence. But it'll be done. In God's wisdom... This little thing that started in the garden, not, you know, not the garden of Eden, that started in heaven, this little tiny thing, God says, I'm going to let it run its course. I could try and just nip it in the bud, but it wouldn't do away with sin. It would just cause more questions and all the rest, and I, I'd be going against my character of truth and all the rest. And so he says, I just have to let it run its course. And eventually... It will be plain to everyone that the devil hates you and wants you dead, but I love you and have something far better for you. And after letting it run this whole course, sin is eventually extinguished once and for all. 
for all, 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 all done. Isn't that good news? Amen. Amen. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with the great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. There's something about fire that just, yes, it consumes, but it, it changes things so completely you can't put them back. You want to make a statement? You go on YouTube and you light something on fire. Because it purifies. In fact, a lot of you go to the dentist's office or wherever else, they put something under extreme heat and it purifies it, right? And so this whole planet's going to go through this major purification process. Everything's going to be consumed. All the pornographic videos are going to be consumed. All of the little toys that were evil are going to be consumed. All the people that were filled with sin and hatred towards God are going to be consumed. And the devil's going to be consumed. Once and for all. And you can't bring it back. You can't blow on the ashes and bring it back. It's gone. It's gone. It's going to be burned up. And that new Jerusalem is going to descend and it's going to settle right here on planet Earth. And he's going to recreate it as it once was. You think the Blue Ridge Parkway is beautiful. You ain't seen nothing yet. You think Switzerland's beautiful. You think the mountains in South America are beautiful. You think deserts and the cactus are beautiful. You think the ocean's beautiful. You think scuba diving is beautiful. You think the coral reefs and, you know, on and on and on and on and on it goes. You think that's beautiful. You haven't seen anything yet. It's all tainted with sin. God gives us little glimmers. But I tell you, when we see the real deal, we're no longer going to be satisfied with a glimmer. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That's what he wanted all along. He wanted to dwell with his people. So much so, he's willing to go through this whole long drama as long as he can get people that he can love and that will love him in return. Not forced, but because they choose him. That's the definition of love. And we're going to have such a marvelous and wonderful time. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's going to be wonderful. That's going to be wonderful. And no matter what we're going through now, in this tiny little speck on the timeline of eternity, is going to be nothing on that day. And it's going to be nothing on the next day and the next day and on for another trillion years. We're going to look back and we're going to remember. Just enough to know, I don't ever want to go back there. And so whatever you're going through today, Keep the big context in mind. God has a bigger plan. He's going to be the victor. And if you're on his side, you'll be the victor right along with him. I like to be on the winning team. Don't you? Dear Heavenly Father, we're just going to pray a very simple prayer. We have seen tonight yet again how you are so transparent. 
how you have nothing to hide, that you love us, that you care for us, and that you are making every effort to draw us to you, to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly, not just in a heavenly existence, but even here and now. Yes, even here while sin exists and bad things happen to good people, but someday you'll make all those things right. And Lord, when that day comes that you come in the clouds, we want to be part of that first resurrection. We want to be caught up with those in the air if we're living. And I believe it's so soon many here will be alive on that day. And we will be caught up with our loved ones and we will live with you for eternity. Lord, if that's what people here want, may we just raise our hands right now and say, Lord, I want to be part of that first resurrection. I want to be there. I want to be found faithful to you. Not in me. I have nothing to to bring to the table except that I want to surrender to you, that you will have your way, that you will forgive us of our sins and empower us to live for you. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.